This is another sports podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another damn sports podcast. I am Money Mike Gilcrest. Steve Denblaker is here, and Drew is also present. He decided to show up today after the Giants and Jags finally, finally played against each other since we started this podcast. Drew, you and I were there four years ago when they played. The Jaguars were victorious back then. You had four years to brag about that over me, but now the tables have turned, and the New York Giants went down to Jacksonville and beat the Jacksonville Jaguars by one fucking yard. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. You know, I don't like to kick people when they're down, so I won't really kick you, but how did that feel? <laughs> <laughs> how did that feel? What a loaded question. Well, I have to start by saying that I am done wearing the Jacksonville Jaguars garb. I am going to be rooting for a winning organization on this show, and that is the Buffalo Sabres, baby. Let's go. All of the experience is success throughout their entire history of their organization. So I'm rooting for a winning team now, Money Mike. No, you're not, because the Sabres <laughs> suck ass. <laughs> They're no. terrible. Yes, they are terrible, and apparently so are the Jacksonville Jaguars. That was a very disappointing game, but I think the positive thing was that you finally had a first-hand account. And Steve, did, did you watch the, the Jags-Giants game? Okay. Yeah, I did. Um, in all honesty, I didn't watch a whole ton of football. I did catch up on some highlights this week, but with how nice the weather was in Central New York, as we know, I had to side my house, so I was doing some fun things. There you go. Um, but no. but I did come in for the Giants-Jags games, at least most of the first and then all the second half. So that's one well, of the games I go. did watch. Glad you're able to give it a watch. But unfortunately, well, fortunately, you guys were able to see firsthand what it's like to watch the Jacksonville Jaguars and how frustrating you can understand it must be to be a fan of that team because there were just so many huge mistakes that they made during drives that seemed to be going so well uh it seemed like the game was in our hands for a good amount of the game and then we would just do jags things we would find ways to lose and money mike your team pulled it out i'm uh i was fine with it honestly i'm not that sad your team's looking good your your team is six and one they're they're actually going to be doing something this year the jaguars they look improved over from year to year so i can't be too upset it just just sucks that the first time these teams play while we do this show your team gets the dub well it was incredibly frustrating for me three quarters of the game because it did look like the jags were controlling it a little bit more than the giants were um and i was thinking to myself god i I'm going to have to live four more years of the Jags beating the Giants. Like, you know, we always talk about on the show how frustrating it is for you to watch the Jags play and how bad they are. And that they always seem to rally to beat the Giants. So it's like, (laughs) what the hell? You know, but uh, I said it at the beginning of the game to my dad when I was watching it was that the biggest difference to me between the Jags and the Giants, because statistically they're kind of evenly matched is the Giants have proven this year they know how to win a game at the end, and the Jaguars have not. And we definitely saw that in this game in particular, where the Giants were able to finish in the fourth, and the Jags were not able to finish. I mean, yes, it came down to one yard, but that drive really was so messy, and I, I think there were some bad officiating calls. Of course, I'm going to Terrible officiating throughout the entire game. Terrible But it was bad officiating throughout the entire game on both sides. Like, yeah. on that drive where the Jags went um, and were stopped on fourth down, the play before... 
I thought that the Jags got the first down and they mm-hmm. picked up the ball and moved the ball back a bit and made it third and short. And we stuffed him there and then we stuffed mm-hmm. him on fourth down. You know what happened? I, I was just like, there were some questionable calls and questionable decisions by the officiating that I was just like, all right, whatever. But you, know, you never like to see the officials dictate the outcome of a game. Um, but yeah, I, I, to me, the story of this game from the Giants' perspective is, um, you know, you can credit the defense for a lot of the wins we've had this year. You can credit, you know, the coaching staff. You can credit Saquon Barkley. But for me, the story of this win was Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones had uh, no receivers catching anything for a lot of this game. There were mm-hmm. a lot of instances in this game where we had a third down conversion or um, a, a fourth down conversion where receivers were just dropping, dropping the ball. There were so many drops in this game. And even Daniel Jones, who's always calm, cool, and collected, snapped and was like, catch the fucking ball. You know, right. he was like, so, and he was mad and he apologized to that uh, in the press conference for that. And yeah. Coach Dable didn't believe he showed any emotion. But <laughs> well, Daniel buddy, Jones like, let me ask you this behind. real quickly. Uh, is Sterling Shepard, is he going to be back at some point no, this he's season? Out for the year. So he's out for the year. Is Kadarius Tony ever going to be back? I don't know. <laughs> I want him traded, honestly, because he's right. never healthy. It's like, why don't we just trade him for something else? Yeah. Um, and I don't know what's going on with Galladay. So it's it's been a weird season for the Giants at receiver. And uh, now Bellinger is out because he got poked mm-hmm. in the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, he has to have eye surgery. So Daniel Jones ran for 107 yards. He threw for over 200. He had two total touchdowns. He was the reason we won this game uh, for me is that he just he didn't turn the ball over. He was just all over the place. He almost led the team in rushing yards. And yet he's still not getting enough credit, which is really funny because in, um, you know, the seven games that he's played this year, he's six and one as a starter. He's number two in the league for quarterbacks and rushing yards. Daniel Jones, not uh, Josh Allen, not Justin Fields, not Kyler Murray. You know, obviously number one is Lamar Jackson, but number two is Daniel Jones. Right. He has the most rushing yards, and he uh, he has he's number six in total QBR. QBR is a stat that ESPN has that rates you from top to bottom uh, on everything that it is to be a quarterback, like your impact on the field. It's kind of like a plus minus yeah. that you see in like basketball. Sure, and he's number six in the league. Yeah, that's so, pretty good. People will rate Daniel Jones however they want. A lot of people still don't believe in him, you know, because statistically he's, you know, not high up there. I mean, he's 23rd in passing yards. He's 29th in average yards per throw, 30th in yards per game. That's also because they have more. At the end of the day, that doesn't matter, though. He's making plays when it matters most. But, Steve, it looks like you wanted to say something. Yeah, I just kind of had two questions. Like I said, I did watch the game, and obviously kind of in the middle of both my my co-hosts here (laughs) with their two teams. Um Mike kind of already touched upon his, I was going to ask you guys, but with the trade deadline coming up, Mike, do you think the Giants should really consider some of these wide receivers we know are on the trading block from some of these good teams? I know one specifically, uh, I think Brandon Cooks wants to get out of Houston and they want some draft picks and stuff. I mean, that, I mean, Brandon Cooks is, everyone knows from fantasy, he's, he's pretty good on a losing team. And if he went to the Giants, I think he could make an effort. I was looking at some other ones for you guys the other day. Obviously, the what every Giants player thinks about is also OBJ is out there with all the rumors <laughs> of him going everywhere, Vikings included, thanks to that guy on Twitter that got my hopes up a little bit last yeah. week. But is there anybody out there you think the Giants should target specifically? Because like you said, I think that is probably the biggest. Yeah, they have Wondell Robinson, but that's really it. I mean, that Ian said it in the chat, right? He's kind of been your number one guy. Yeah, and he's a more of a slot inside guy. He's not like a big outside threat because he's so small. Um, and uh, no, I, I honestly I would love if Odell came back 
even just to finish this year, even if he wasn't brought back, just for the nostalgia of having him, my uh, Odell jersey would be valuable again. Uh, <laughs> um, but I actually don't think the Giants should trade for anybody this during this season, only because they are in cap hell. Um, they have a lot of things freeing up at the end of this year. So that's going to be the time to really make a move at wide receiver, I feel like. Um, I'm super salty at the Eagles because a few years ago we were lined up to get Devonta Smith and the Cowboys and Eagles made a trade and they got uh, Smith and we got stuck with Kadarius Tony, who's never healthy and never on the field. Um, so if we had him, we, I think we'd be in a lot better place in that regard. But uh, yeah, no, this year the Giants just don't have a lot to give in order to get some one of these guys. So I just don't think this is the right time for Joe Shane to make the move on that. Um because again, nobody's more surprised that the Giants are six to one than the New York Giants. Like nobody thought the Giants were going to be this good. I, it was, more, was supposed to be a turn the page year, new culture year. Get you know, get Dayball ingratiated as the coach, Shane as the GM, and then next year when they had everything open up was going to be when they make a splash. But uh, yeah, I'm just the fact that we're this good without a superstar wide receiver is awesome. I mean, I yeah I can't again, and that's more credit to Daniel Jones. There you go. Yeah, no, that's absolutely more credit to Daniel Jones. He's been working with what he's had. But I think this game was really a tale of uh, it was two different running games. So the Jaguars to in the first half of the game, ETN was kind of running all over the Giants defense. He was able to get a lot of yardage. He was able to make some plays. And Barkley was kind of being held up. You know, the Jaguars defense was kind of able to hold, hold him hold them off for most of the first half and a lot of the second as well. But when it mattered most, you guys were able to run the ball. I mean, Barkley, that Barkley kind of pulled that, that Derrick Henry strategy, you know, where you're like, yeah, he's not going to get that many yards early in the, in the game, even in the third quarter. But once that fourth quarter hit, the defense was tired and he was able to kind of grind out those yards, make his moves as he does, man, when he gets the ball in open space, he looks absolutely fucking ridiculous. Like the best ball carrier in the league, when you give him space, his jump cuts are ridiculous. His quickness is unstoppable. It's nuts. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you notice on the giants first drive, they called no runs. It was all throws by Daniel. They basically passed the ball down the field. Cause they knew that that's what I think the Jags were stacking the box. Yeah. So they were like, cause they, every, every time a team's playing the giants, who are they preparing for? They're preparing. You're always preparing for the team's best player. And that's clearly Saquon Barkley. Yeah. So the giants came out and started throwing at the beginning in the first half. And then in the second half, they called more run plays, but I think Daniel Jones making plays with his legs mm -hmm. really opened up the rest of the offense. Yeah. Uh, because that's what the Jags weren't counting on was Daniel running so much. So once he was able to do that, I mean, on that final drive where we put the last three on the board to go up by six, which was so huge. Because if you guys had to score a field goal, you guys would have easily been in range to, to do that. Um, and so we basically ran on every play with Saquon and Daniel Jones. And, you know, Barkley and Jones combined were over 200 yards on the ground. But, yeah, it was it was a very frustrating watching ETN run all over us, <laughs> which concerns <laughs> me that our Giants' run defense is not very good. Um, and I'm that's something with playing against Seattle this week that's very concerning. But, um, yeah, Trevor Lawrence, to me, I mean, he wasn't – making mistakes either like he was uh in terms of like he wasn't turning the ball over yeah like, i was i was like watching this game i'm like well the Je trevor lawrence is going to make a mistake that's what i was hoping i was like he's gonna make a mistake he's gonna throw an interception or he's going to fumble the ball and he did throw an interception on the final drive it just got canceled out because of a penalty but he like looked fine yeah i, I really thought good. he looked fantastic i thought the passing game looked great he made one big mistake and that was when he overthrew, I believe it was Evan Ingram in the end zone. He was wide open. 
And even Mark Slareth was saying during the broadcast, he's like, this is the one thing that Trevor needs to work on is he needs to work on having that touch, you know, like being able to kind of just sky the ball and have it drop into the breadbasket. And I think that's something he's going to develop with time. Josh Allen had the same issue. I feel like a lot of young quarterbacks, that's like the last throw that they really need to work on when they get into the NFL is that perfect like moon ball that Russell Wilson is so good at as well. But Trevor Lawrence, yeah, he looked great. I mean, he's, he's, he's looked fine this year. Like he's, so young and he's making plays that I haven't seen many other Jaguars QBs make in the last two decades. So I, I'm happy about his play. Uh, Steve, you look like you were going to say something. Yeah. So I have another question for you this time, Drew, based on your team. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm a little biased because I have him on fantasy, but I thought when the Jags got off to that hot start, one of their best assets was obviously ETN is running the ball like crazy. Mm-hmm. And he was probably going to be your premier back going forward regardless. But I thought at least for this season, I thought they would utilize that dual threat of Robinson who I have in fantasy and ETN in the backfield. Do you think you guys may have lost something in that aspect of not being able to switch off the two running backs? I mean, for my fantasy team, I'm happy he went to the jets and can hopefully take over for, Brees Hall and split time with Carter there but like I said for your team I thought that's when you guys at least from everything I saw was the most dynamic on offense is when teams really didn't know who was going to come in and make that play I think we certainly I mean James Robinson was fantastic every time I've come on the show every single week when the Jags take a dump on the field the one positive I always had was that James James Robinson looked good Um, the biggest issue I think and the biggest thing that they took into account with their decision to trade him to the Jets is that we're two and five it's very unlikely we're going to make a run and make the playoffs. I mean, it's it's we're making it harder and harder for ourselves with each week, and they're probably taking the future into account at this point. Having that dual threat is obviously good because you're able to bring in a guy who has fresh legs that can still make a play um, in James Robinson, who's probably still just as good as Etienne. Um, but James Robinson was also an un, uh, unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Um, so... They probably felt like they had to get some sort of value from him, especially while his stock was still high, because obviously there's only been a couple games that they hadn't used him. So I think that's why they went went through with the trade. They think ETN's going to be the guy going forward, which I think he can be. He looked, like Mike said, he looked fantastic. Um, so I think this is just a move for the future. We're, we're, we're definitely going to be hurt a little bit going forward, but at the end of the day, that's not what they're looking at, I think, at this point. They're trying to plan for the future as well but i do want to make this comment here in the comment section sir burrito bandit says the giants should trade for eli what do you think about that mike eli manning yeah <laughs> no i i think eli's uh he's he's happy where he is yeah no that's totally fair i say wearing my eli jersey you know yeah uh, but uh the other uh, one play that really stood out to giants fans that got us excited about thibodeau was that play where etn was running down the field mm-hmm. and uh thibodeau caught him like Thibodeau started on the opposite end of the yeah. line and he chased him down. Like that was exciting for us as a uh, Giants fan because he's, uh, you know, the big pick that we took in with our first uh, overall pick in this draft. And right. he's just been getting better and better each week. Um, but, uh, you know, this game also brought up a lot of repressed anger for me. Um, and I'll explain why. Because I hated, I've always hated the Philadelphia Eagles. But I especially hated them when they were coached under Doug Peterson because that guy goes for it every fucking time. And it's so annoying because you get so excited when your team gets a stop on third down. You're like, yes, we're going to get the ball back. And then their offense is still out there. And you're like, because he used to go for it before it became like 
the analytical thing to do. It's better yeah. if you go for it. Now everybody he used does to it. Do that all the time, yeah. and it was so aggravating because it would always be like on fourth and two, and they'd always get it. And I like the Jags were doing that, and they kept converting, and I was like, "Fuck!" Well, you stopped us when it counted the most, though, man. Like that fourth yeah, and I, one I stop know. was huge. I know, but I had a lot of repressed anger for Doug Peter. So I, I can't watch too many Jags games when I'm rooting for the other team because right. I'll just that'll all come out of me again. <laughs> like I'm just like, fuck this guy, you know? Well, you got one on Doug Peterson, so congratulations, Money Mike. I'm happy for yeah. you. I hope you guys continue your winning ways with playing the Seahawks next week, which is turning out to be a pretty uh, interesting and tough matchup for you guys, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, so... Talk about two teams that are a surprise is the Seattle Seahawks and the New York Giants. Now, I looked at this game before the season, before we saw anything with Geno, where we saw that what's going on with, you know, Coach Dayball and Daniel Jones. And I was like, that's a game that I feel like the Giants are better than Seattle, but I'm nervous about it just because it's in Seattle. And Seattle's always tough because it's such a long trip. It's such a loud stadium. But Seattle has so much momentum from mm-hmm. the way they've been playing. And they've been, they're the number five offense in scoring this year with Geno Smith at quarterback. And they have a strong running attack and their front's not too bad. And we have some offensive line injuries. So I'm nervous about this game. I mean, over the four game stretch where it was Jacksonville, Seattle, Detroit, Houston, this is the game that I was like, this might be the one that we drop. Mm -hmm. I would not be shocked at all if we lose. But at the same time, what I love about this run that the Giants are having is every week it's the same story. The Giants are not favored. It's a close game to the very end. They win in the fourth quarter. And then everyone afterwards is more like, well, what's wrong with Green Bay? What's wrong with Baltimore? Oh, what's wrong with Jacksonville? You know, they've oh, lost everybody knows what's wrong with Jacksonville. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but, but no one's giving the Giants any credit. Right. No one's giving the Giants any credit. And they're not favored yet again in Seattle. Yeah. Everyone's talking about Geno Smith and Pete Carroll, which is would deserve because no one saw this coming. Everyone thought once Russell Wilson left that he would flourish in Denver and Seattle would suck. And it's been the opposite. Seattle's way better than Denver. Mm-hmm. So it, it might be the same narrative again where the Giants aren't favored. It might be a close game to the fourth quarter and the Giants could win it again. But again, even if that does happen, I know it's going to be, well, it was Geno Smith. You know, it's going to be dismissed no matter how it's done. <laughs> Listen, who I'm cares about the haters money, Mike? Just be happy about your record, right? And I love that everyone in the Giants is buying into Dayball system where it's like, we're 1-0 this week. They're not thinking about being 6-1. and one. They're, we're 1-0 this week. Right. There you and go. And let's move on to the next game. Exactly. So I'm very happy about where the Giants are, and I can't wait to see what happens. Can't wait to see what happens. I'm, hot for this. I'm taking this off. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. You, you, you made your point with all of your Giants, Garb. Um, too hot for Dukes. Yes. Yes. Um, so we'll move on now. Congratulations to you, Money Mike, on winning the first uh, Another Day of Sports podcast team matchup between the Jags and the Giants. And for the record, it is quite uncomfortable when you're playing against your friend's team because you want when you're talking about it you don't want to like you want to have those bragging rights. Everyone loves that's part of why we all love sports is you like to have the bragging rights, but you don't want to come off as like a jerk, uh, or you don't want to be like the the sore loser when your team lost. Oh, of course, you know. And you and I were pretty cordial, I'd say. Yeah, I think so. My favorite, <laughs> my, my favorite story ever I of playing was silent. I came in from outside, and there was, I was expecting so many texts between you guys, and there was nothing. <laughs> yeah, we were more texting each other, just like oh, private. Yeah. I guess we we should have texted the group. You're right. <laughs> well, we yeah. My 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 favorite story about playing against a friend and me talking trash was when I was talking trash to Chris during an Eagles Giants game, and we were killing him the whole time. It was that famous Deshaun Jackson punt return game. And so Chris was staying quiet the whole time I was talking shit. And yeah. as soon as the, as soon as he crossed the goal line, my phone rings and he goes, how do you like that bitch? 
and that was fun you know was, was, <laughs> yeah it was, that, it was heartbreaking for me but it was still fun a funny story to tell no absolutely and and i think it's always different too whenever teams play the jaguars because i've had to endure so much pain so much shit and the team has always just been bad so it's really just like if if somehow the jaguars beat someone's team they're just like Ugh, well good for drew at least at least he gets a win you yeah know? that's yeah <laughs> it's it's 100%. not like a patriots loss or something where you're like fuck this guy like they always win you know yeah like when alex gets on the show and he says that he doesn't even watch the regular season because he just waits for the playoffs right well i can't do that anymore these days after no, losing to the bears we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show but we'll move on to our next topic here and that is the fact that christian mccaffrey during this past week was traded to the san francisco 49ers we saw him in action against the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously limited action as he was not given enough time to fully equate equate himself into the uh, Kyle Shanahan offense. Obviously a very different offense from what he was running in Carolina. Uh, but a lot of people think that this is going to be uh, a good fit for him for at least the near future. They think he's going to be hopefully help this team to meet their Super Bowl aspirations. The, obviously coming into this Chiefs game, everybody was talking about how fantastic this 49ers defense was, how this... Uh, this team was just a player away from potentially being Super Bowl contenders, and they thought Christian McCaffrey was going to be that guy. Unfortunately for them, they got absolutely decimated by Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, giving up over 40 points and losing pretty decisively. Steve, what were your thoughts when uh, McCaffrey was traded to the 49ers from the Panthers, and do you think the Panthers got the better end of the deal? I I honestly do. Um, we all know how good Christian McCaffrey can be when he's healthy. And obviously that's the big caveat is can he stay healthy? And I'm not saying it's kind of apropos, but the fact he went to a Niners team that seems to lose running backs. I mean, every other week, right. It's <laughs> is kind of hilarious. So we'll see how long he lasts in the backfield and that Kyle Shannon run pass to the running back type offense um they have going so we'll see how long he lasts but that's kind of i think why at least right now i would say if you had to do short term just because of the star power and what he can bring hopefully that niners team i would say the 49ers would probably have won the trade but that's only a week a weekend obviously with limited participation that game from christian mccaffrey but like i said <laughs> let's see how he holds up health wise and then also how the 49ers do because like you said that defense was the key to that team for a little bit and i know it was a revenge tour for the chiefs after losing to the bills at home but like you said they got stomped so my guess is short-term 49ers are going to get a pretty good spurt out of christian but then in the long term i think those picks and the panthers might be the better outcome long term but we'll see yeah right because obviously in these scenarios the picks it's all dependent on if they make the right choices and if the right guys come up uh, so we'll, we'll see if the Panthers are able to take advantage of all of the picks that they've been able to compile to hopefully start this rebuild on the right foot. Money Mike, uh, what'd you think of this trade when you saw it go through? I think in the long term, the Panthers won the trade. Uh, but I think in the short term, the 49ers could be that team that, I mean, they've got a tough upcoming schedule where they play the Rams again. Uh, but this time it's in LA, they played the Cardinals, um, the chargers. So it's going to be a, a tough a few games to get them to get it going. But I could see the 49ers being that team that could have a late surge at the end of the season, just get in, just do good enough just to get in the playoffs. And then that, that team that nobody wants to face in the playoffs. And I could see them winning the NFC. I really could. I mean, they were, they were close to winning it last year with mm -hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. He he's took, taken them to a super bowl. So he's proven he can win games in the playoffs. 
Um, Kyle Shanahan's a great offensive minded coach. So he'll be able to use McCaffrey to the best of his ability. Um, and uh, you still got Debo Samuel there and they do have a good defense. I know they just got killed by Kansas city, but a lot of people get killed by Kansas city. So um, I, I think that for the short term, it's 49ers. But if you're looking at the big picture, I think that it's going to only help Carolina. This, this trade to me reminded me of like a team that's basically like, okay, we're selling everything. We fired our coach. We're getting rid of our best player. We're phoning it in this year um, to be better for the future. It's kind of like what the Chicago Cubs did a few years ago, actually last year when they traded Rizzo and Bryant and all these guys that were part of their world series team. They're like, you know what? That's done. We have to start over. We have to rebuild this franchise. So, you know, it's it's funny that McCaffrey goes to San Francisco, a good team. Carolina's still bad, yet Carolina won this week and San Francisco didn't. But hey, that's that. <laughs> yeah, that that's, <laughs> that's the NFC awesome. South for you, basically. That's that's what yeah. it is, right? Uh, and then I yeah. guess we can kind of dive into that uh, next here. Um, so. Obviously, uh, as I just mentioned, the Carolina Panthers uh, were able to get the win after shipping their best player, after firing their coach, and they defeated Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I think right now uh, the Panthers are suffering from a similar thing that you talked about earlier with the Giants, where nobody's really looking at the Panthers as this elite team. They're just kind of, everybody's just looking at the Bucs as being like, what the hell is going on with this team? Because coming into the season, obviously with Tom Brady coming out of retirement and still having those solid offensive weapons albeit a rough offensive line, they thought that the Bucs were still going to be able to kind of just run away with this division and honestly, like, be Super Bowl contenders for the season. But it's starting to really not look like the case, obviously, with this loss to the Panthers, who anytime you're playing a divisional opponent, there's always a chance for a loss. Because obviously, when you see these teams so frequently, it's the NFL, it's designed that so that every team can win on any given Sunday. And the fact that the Panthers were able to run all over this Bucks defense was very, honestly, kind of shocking because the Bucks run defense has always been so solid. Deontay Foreman looked fantastic as well as Chuba Hubbard getting that touchdown as well. Um, so a very gritty win by the Panthers. Hopefully they'll be able to have some continued success for our boy Ian here, who's feeling pretty good with the Panthers, only one game back of the leaders in his division. So they're still, they've still got a decent shot, you know, which is it's kind of crazy to think of. P.J. Walker filling in for uh, an injured Baker Mayfield. He's making the plays when he needs to make them. And Panthers, uh, they got two wins. What do you think about that, Steve? I mean, we kind of talked about it before because of Ian being in the chat. So shout out to Ian. But they have <laughs> played a lot of teams tough. So I guess I'm not truly surprised. But at the end of the day, they weren't winning those games. So yeah. to do it against a Tom Brady-led Buccaneers, that being said, uh, rough looking Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year um it was a little surprising but honestly that's kind of been par for the course this year in the NFL we obviously have those teams that have really rose and got to the top there that you can see that are real Super Bowl contenders there's probably a list of I would say four or five of them but then any other team it seems like can be any other team on any given Sunday like you said so am I truly surprised no I mean they're all professional athletes and in all fairness, uh, when Henry went down last year uh, and Foreman stepped in, because I believe mm -hmm. he was on the Titans last year, correct? He he looked pretty good. So, I mean, oh, yeah. he's not going to be Christian McCaffrey, obviously, in the back. But if he splits time with Hubbard and they get decent offense and hopefully Baker comes back and actually looks somewhat like an NFL quarterback, that they could probably <laughs> surprise a couple teams, honestly. And like you said, that division's so bad. I mean... I, we yeah. were just talking about the Falcons winning the other week, so because they look pretty good. So it's honestly up for anybody. The Saints could sneak in there. They've played a lot of good, competitive teams. So 
I wouldn't be surprised if the Buccaneers don't make the playoffs and one of those three teams slides in. Like, I I don't want to say a losing record, but I mean, with how the 17 game season this year, it it could happen one of these seasons, and it's it could be that NFC South division. So, <laughs> right. No, exactly. And we were just talking about how the Falcons look so good last week, and then they'd get absolutely decimated by the Bengals this past week. We'll talk about that in a second. But Money Mike, what are your thoughts on the NFC South? I love what's going on in the NFC South because there's so many good teams in the NFC East that with the NFC South being so bad, it means only one of them's coming out of the division, which opens a spot in the wild card for the Giants. So <laughs> I love it. I love every minute of it. And I think that it makes it so much more interesting that it's not just Tampa Bay marching all the way to the playoffs, like that it could be Marcus Mariota and the Falcons, or it could be Baker Mayfield and the Panthers without their head coach and without their, uh, their superstar running back coming into the season, or it could be, you know, the, uh, the new Orleans saints without Drew Brees, without Sean Payton. Like it's, it's not just as simple as we thought it was going to be. And man, sorry, Tom, you should have stayed retired. I mean, you went out. Yeah. You lost your last game at home to the Rams in the playoffs, but you also won seven super bowls. Like this, like, Again, I, I said I think I said last week. Nothing's this even if he's playing this bad the rest of the season, it's not going to tarnish his overall legacy. But it's just like, why make that your last year? Like he always used to say, he never wanted to be a guy who was weighing down the team. It's not necessarily him weighing down the team, but like, he hasn't looked good. No, and it's like, you know, why not just just, uh, just I understand, I can understand it being really difficult when you've done something for so long and you've had so much success. That you know once you say you're done and you actually follow through on that, like you can't go back. Like right. once he were to have like been retired for a year or two, like he, he can never play football again. That's never a part of his life. He'll be able to revisit again once he finally hangs them up. So it's probably hard to let that go. But man. Like, well, it's tough too when he, I mean, he's still playing. He was still playing at an elite level. He was almost an MVP winner last year, right? So it's like, it's hard to get away from that those constant accolades people telling you you're the best still at age 40 whatever and 45, then yeah. yeah right and then just like say i'm done you know so I, I get why he came back it's just it's unfortunate that it's fallen off this far this quickly obviously with their running game being i believe they have the worst stats in the league in terms of their running they have efficiency. Terrible line yeah yeah so they, they're they're looking very bad uh, very quickly before we move on to our next topic, Ian says that they named Walk- PJ Walker the starter, even if Baker is ready. I guess PJ Walker oh. has been able to impress uh, enough. I mean, honestly, that's probably Baker's better stinks. for him. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Baker looked absolutely terrible. PJ Walker is looking serviceable. So they're going to stick with him in the coming days. But we're going to talk about a different QB controversy, and that is with the Indianapolis Colts announcing that they are benching Matt Ryan not just for this upcoming week because he potentially has uh, or because he has an injury, but they are going to stick with Sam Ellinger out of Texas going forward for the rest of the season. Frank Reich says that that is the hope that that will be the case. Obviously, I think Ellinger is going to at least have to play at a decent level to be able to justify that decision. But this is a very shocking turn of events because coming into the season, we talked about how Matt Ryan was going to be so great for this offense behind that stout offensive line with a great running back in Jonathan Taylor and some decent wide receivers. And it just hasn't looked like that. They fall to the Titans this past Sunday, 19 to 10. So they decided to make the switch. Money Mike, what are your thoughts on this decision? The curse of Peyton Manning. Okay, the Colts have it. The Broncos have it. They can't get the quarterback right after Peyton Manning leaves. You know, they had Andrew Luck for a bit, but he always got hurt. And whenever he got hurt, their basically their season was over. Uh, and now that he's retired, they just have not been able to land 
a quarterback. They tried Phillip Rivers for a year, but he was they knew he was only going to play one more year and he was retiring. And he got them into the playoffs, but then they were eliminated by the Buffalo Bills. Um, and then the next year they hired Carson Wentz to take the job. Give him a second chance. He's going to be with Frank Reich, the guy who was coaching when he was an MVP for the Philadelphia Eagles. He sucked. Yeah. And now they bring in Matt Ryan, who was a superstar in Atlanta. He was an MVP before he blew a 28 to three lead in the Super Bowl, And he is going to take the Colts to the playoffs and win the AFC South. And he's been awful. So they're going to try this Ellinger guy. Will he be any good? <laughs> I don't know. Probably not because it's the curse of Peyton Manning. Cause look at the Broncos ever since he left the Broncos, they've had like seven or eight guys fill in. They even brought in Russell Wilson. Right. Who sucks? <laughs> <laughs> right. We'll, we'll go into detail on that. Six. Starting quarterbacks for the Colts in the last six seasons. Steve, how ugly is that? It's, I mean, pretty ugly. As much as Vikings fans can complain about Kirk Cousins, and he may not be a superstar, but he does bring some consistency to the a very important role in your team. And he doesn't, he never at least goes out there and loses the game. He may not be a gunslinger, but at least having that constant player behind on your team is how you actually develop at like this level, it appears. And with that much turnover, it's just hard. And like you said, six seasons and six different quarterbacks to get any sort of even team camaraderie. I mean, building up any relationships with your receivers. I'm sure that's tough coming in. I mean, I'm, I know they practice, obviously. The best quarterback in the North right now. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> it's still tough because I feel like we haven't played any like true teams you do have to play who's in front of you we say it every week but I, i'm definitely <laughs> give him still some not credit him. steve come on i i'm always a vikings fan that is giving him a decent <laughs> amount of credit i just don't ever get too excited for Kirk cousins like i said we talked about it before tempering expectations of the season so like yeah i mean he's the best quarterback in the north right now but aaron Rodgers is probably off doing peyote or something and then justin fields <laughs> looked pretty good last last night so that's that's something and then Goff started off strong, and now oh. it looks like they're the Lions again. So yeah, that was that was quickly lived for Lions fans. So glad you got that one win in, because yeah, it's looking pretty rough for the rest of the season. <laughs> but so back to the back to the <laughs> back Colts. To the Colts. Um, I do. I think this is going to be their permanent quarterback, like Mike said, going forward. Probably not. The kid looked okay in Texas from the little bit of college football I watched. I guess um, he had a stellar like, preseason. That that's kind of what's showing or that's what's Ooh. basing this decision right obviously that doesn't mean much we'll see what happens yeah so i guess we'll see i mean like you said it's a talented colts team when you look at it on paper so i wouldn't be surprised if they could turn it on if he's the spark i mean look at heineke for the commanders was it a streaking packers team yeah but they just that team just plays better under him he just brings in a kind of like a spirit behind him that i sorry wentz is probably the better quarterback but he just doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't bring it out on the field. <laughs> that smug <laughs> smile from Money Mike. Carson Wentz blows. They're better with Heineke. Yeah. yeah. No, I, but, I think so I maybe that'll agree. be the case for the Colts this year. I mean, maybe, maybe you got to bring in some fresh blood and then see what he does with it. So it can't hurt him at this point. So Right. Well, hopefully for uh, Colts fans, they'll be able to turn things around with Sam Ellinger going forward and kind of bring a spark to this Colts offense that has really been struggling. Now, speaking of struggling, I just copied and pasted this picture over to this. Uh, this week, we were just talking about how Aaron Rodgers is not looking great, uh, and the Packers as a whole are not looking great. Well, they fell 
to the aforementioned Taylor Heineke and the Washington Commanders, 23-21. to 21. Heineke looks like the better quarterback, is the better quarterback, according to Money Mike Gilchrist, and Rodgers comes out today and says that guys who are making mistakes need to be uh, held accountable, and they need to cut time, and they need to be, find guys who are going to be able to make plays. That wasn't the exact quote, but that's essentially what he was saying. So in true Aaron Rodgers fashion, he is throwing his guys under the bus, Money Mike. How do you feel about that? Great leadership, Aaron. Really. Yeah, you're doing great. You get your star receiver out of town because you took this big, heavy contract. Uh, you're finger pointing at your your guys because the team itself is not playing well. That's really going to make the Packers better by calling them out publicly. Yeah. It, good good job, Aaron. <laughs> Say what you want. Like- so I think Aaron Rodgers is a more talented quarterback than Brett Favre ever was. Right. But I think Brett Favre is a better leader and a better teammate than Aaron Rodgers has ever been. And that does make a difference. Oh, yeah. And, See, and, and you know what? I said it about the South. I'm saying it about the North. I hope the Vikings just march to the victory and the other three teams continue to struggle so that it just keeps only one team out of the North coming into the playoffs and it leaves the wild card doors open. Yeah. Well, Money Mike, you're 6-1. and one. You're definitely on that path. But, Steve, is, is this bringing you joy to see how the Packers season is unraveling throughout this season? I mean, yeah, it definitely has to as any Vikings <laughs> fan. I mean, it's it's like how Mike says sometimes uh, if the Giants lose during a season or when he talks about the Yankees and Red Sox, if the Vikings lose, I just hope that the Packers lose in general. The, the Bears and the Lions, I obviously would rather the Vikings win, but they've been bad for so long. Sometimes it's actually nice to see someone in your division like that take right. a victory. But anytime the Packers can lose in this pass, probably, I mean, like Mike said, even before Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I was watching Brett Favre as a kid destroy my team until he joined the Vikings later. But <laughs> but before that, I was watching Packers quarterbacks just torch my team for a long time. Yeah, there was always some really competitive close games in there. But to see a Packers, I don't think I've lived to see a Packers team struggle this bad when Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre haven't been hurt. The fact that he's on the field still playing and they're playing this bad, I mean... Not to sound like a dick, but it definitely it's pretty it's pretty awesome. It it doesn't help that he's one of the smuggest people in the world in terms yeah. of personality wise. So seeing him laying on the ground this week, I was like, well, that's that's nice. <laughs> that's nice to see. He could he could struggle for a little bit. Everyone struggles throughout life. It just seems like this is the time period. And like Mike said, I I mean, he knew going in that his receivers this year in particular weren't going to be the strongest. So you think instead of just throwing them under the bus, they could all have extra practice time together. You think there could be something else besides just throwing them underneath the the bus. And yeah, they aren't playing well, but I don't see him making crazy plays either. The one play I've seen this year that I could be like, okay, well, that wasn't Rodgers' fault. was that first pass against the Vikings where the wide receiver was wide open. Was, Mm. Was it Dobbs? It was Watson, yeah. It was Watson? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's so far there's been some drops, but there's been another, nothing been egregious that hasn't happened on other teams from wide receivers. People right. make drops. So you have to it's go out there. And, yeah. It's, I don't know. I, long story short, I am very happy. <laughs> the Packers <laughs> are struggling as hard, as much as they are this season. So it, it is fun to watch. In hindsight, uh, Aaron Rodgers should have gone to the Broncos. Oh, yeah. Because he'd be better off. The Broncos would be better off, and because he would, he had a relationship with Nathaniel Hackett, so he would have understood the system. He'd have better receivers. He'd have that Denver Bronco defense behind him. I think they'd be playing a lot better if they had Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. And uh, it, because staying around with Green Bay without Devonte Adams, I mean, he's 
he hasn't had a good relationship with the Packers organization the last couple of years. And to stay there, take a big, you know, contract. Again, I'm not, you know, getting on him for making money. Like, everyone wants to make money. Sure. But you can't then be whining about the fact that they don't have other resources to get receivers because, you know, that's again, why did Tom Brady take so many pay cuts in New England? Because he wanted to keep the team strong around him. Right. I was I was just about to say the same thing. So I, I was going to try to get into that before I kind of went on my rant about being happy the Packers lost. But do we think that Rodgers is going to end a Packer? Or do we think he will go to a team like that? That hopefully, I mean, so far, teams that we've talked about today that look like they only need one more piece and it's at quarterback that they bring it in, it has not worked, at least this season. It may have no. worked in the past with Peyton Manning probably going to Broncos or Tom Brady going to the Bucks is the most famous examples. And Stafford going to the Rams. Yeah. Yes. I'm sorry. That's a obviously the a good example from last year <laughs> winning the Super Bowl. But do we think he's Rogers is going to make that move, or do you think he's just done after the uh, season? Because I could see if they struggle this hard that he might just. I think he signed a four-year deal. I I, yeah. I don't see him going all four, but I don't see him going to another team. I think this final deal that he signed is like I'm going to be. Uh, lifetime packer yeah so that to me is like that's what it signaled to me i don't see him going anywhere else but um and packers I, could, I could make him, that decision I him, though i don't see him fulfilling that contract either right yeah i, I could see him retiring in the next couple of years especially if like next season is just like this i could see him just being like yeah i'm calling it um but the packers could make that decision too right i mean they could see if they could get something for him um like like steve said if it's a team that really is just missing that one piece and rogers still has it I could totally see that the Packers just going into full rebuild mode and trying to ship him for as much as they possibly can get. Um, he could be a Viking, right? That's <laughs> yeah, right. I, I don't, I don't think that's gonna happen. At least hey, Kirk. Cousins, no one thought Brett Favre would be a Viking either, Drew. Hey, Kirk Cousins has another fifteen years in him. That's how I'm feeling. But uh, we'll move on to another quarterback that we have been talking about a lot over the past couple of years. Uh, for or quarterback that made the Super Bowl last year, Joe Burrow, going off on the aforementioned Falcons for almost 500 yards. Are the Bengals back? Are they going to be the offense that we were able to see towards the second half of the season? Do you think they're going to continue this run of dominance and most likely win the AFC North? Ooh. They may or may not win the NFC, the AFC North, but they are definitely back. I mean, first of all, they're very lucky that they started off so weak, but their division's still open for them to take. Right. Because – you know they they're very lucky that like Cleveland's had their struggles, obviously with the Deshaun Watson you know suspension and Pittsburgh being kind of inept this year. Not the traditional Mike Tomlin competitive Steelers that you and I thought they would be, and Steve correctly saw that they would not be. Um, and then you have Baltimore, which is really <laughs> Baltimore should be seven and zero based on the games. They had three games that they lost. They had double digit leads at each point in the game at some point. So. Um, the Bengals are kind of fortunate to be tied at four and three with the Ravens. They've already lost once to the Ravens. So if they lose again to Baltimore and they have the same record at the end of the season, Baltimore gets it on a tiebreaker. So I'm not going to say definitely that they're going to win the AFC North, but I definitely think they'll at bare minimum make the playoffs. And they showed last year, if they just get in, they can be a very dangerous team for anybody to play. Absolutely. And the more and more they find a rhythm. I mean, their defense is underrated in terms of people talking about, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know about last game, but before going into last game, they hadn't given up a touchdown in the second half all season. It's pretty damn good. That's their defense. So when you have the offense that Joe Burrow can like get it going and you have that kind of a defense backing you up, that's really hard to beat. 
Yeah. So I think Cincinnati could win the AFC North, but if they don't win, there'll at least be a playoff team in the AFC and they're, they're definitely dangerous. Yes, absolutely. And I remember watching this, like just kind of tracking this game on the bottom scoreboard. And I saw that they had 21 points by the end of the first quarter, I believe, Steve, how nuts is that? Yeah. Um, as someone that has Joey B on his fantasy team in a <laughs> dynasty league, I love to see it. Cause I was a little worried um, I brought this point up, I think, one of the first weeks when they were in kind of struggling, the Bengals' offense was. Um, people forget that he had a ruptured appendix in July. I mean, mm. that's pretty rough to come back from. Obviously, it's a pretty mundane surgery. I mean, the fact it ruptured is pretty bad. I'm glad he was <laughs> okay after. But that's still, like, major surgery you have to come back from. And he didn't look like the same Joe Burrow at the start. Obviously, he played through the preseason a little bit, but starting quarterbacks in the preseason don't really play play. I mean, right. they might play that last game for a half, sort of. But he, I, I think a lot of it came for the fact that Joe Burrow had to kind of get back into the swing of things because he said he really didn't even like work get to work out in the summer. I mean, that, that plays a big aspect. I feel mm -hmm. like not even a lot of like commentaries on ESPN are talking about. And uh, now that he's in sync with his wide receivers, it seems like especially – Jamar Chase has seemed to pick up pick up the pace after that first get, first week. He had a really good. Yeah, I played against him in two uh, leagues this week. I yeah. was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Man? <laughs> and then it seems like Boyd's showing up too. Hurst as a tight end's pretty decent. It seems like, and then Joe Mixon's always a threat in the backfield. So I I picked the Bengals to win the division at the start of the season, and I know both of you guys picked the Ravens, I believe, and I think that's I mean, like Mike said, going to come down to if the Bengals can tie up and beat the Ravens. To, for the second game they play this year, that'd be huge. But I think it's going to come down to the last couple games of the season between those two teams. So we'll see if the Bengals' offense can keep it going. Because Mike yeah, said yeah. that that defense is underrated. So I still, they're still my pick to win the division. So, but I think it'll be close no matter what between the Ravens and the Bengals. For that, for the record, that second game will be in Cincinnati, and it will be Week 18 on January oh. 8th. So I could see that game being the featured Sunday night game yeah. for the division. Absolutely. Yeah, that's going to be a fun race to the end for the AFC North and for the season. But we'll move on to the next game that we wanted to talk about, and that was last night's game. Uh, the Chicago Bears traveling to Gillette Stadium to face starting quarterback Mac Jones for the New England Patriots. Uh, this game did not go according to plan for the New England Patriots. The Chicago Bears came out swinging in this game, and they did not stop swinging. And Money Mike is very sad because he lost his survivor pick, the first one that had money on the line. Money Mike was not so money last night, but Justin Fields was, man. This was the first time I've watched Justin Fields play, and I saw what potential this man can have. You know, like, he, if he plays like that on a weekly basis, man, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with, especially working with the guys that he has on offense, obviously Darnell Mooney being his starting, or, or his top receiver, and not really having much to work with. Their run game is solid, I will say. Uh, David Montgomery was running his ass off last night, and Khalil Herbert had a couple big explosive plays as well. I was very happy to see that the Bears were able to pull out this win for for my boy Sean. Uh, it was a win that he probably isn't used to experiencing, where the Bears were able to put up a lot of points against this apparently stout Bill Belichick-led Patriots defense. But moving on from the Bears, the biggest story I think that came out of this game, which I'll have you guys discuss here, is the qu quarterback controversy that's happening in New England. So the Mac Jones project has run into a little bit of a road bump as Bailey Zappi was being chanted for right from the start of this game. Everybody in New England faithful 
wanted Bailey Zappi to start. Now, obviously, he came in, gave them a spark, scored two touchdowns, and then, unfortunately, it fell apart after that with a fumble on the next drive, and then they weren't able to put up any more points for the rest of the game, and Bailey Zappi struggled as well. So, Mike, what do you think about this QB controversy in New England? Do you think Mac Jones is the guy going for it, or do you think they're going to give Zappi a shot? So I have a friend who is, uh, he lives in Massachusetts. He's a big Patriots guy. Um, and I asked him straight up, I said, well, before this game even took place, I said, do you want Bailey Zappi or do you want Mac Jones? And he said that he was listening to something that uh, on New England radio that said that Jones is the probably the better quarterback, but they can use Zappi's success to say, see, stop, just stop trying to be cute, Mac. Be who you were last year. Just do, play in the system and you're the better quarterback. But it doesn't seem like everybody in New England felt that way, especially in the stadium when they were cheering for Zappi to go in. And that it was kind of a cruel moment to see on live television where you see Mac Jones looking kind of defeated and you hear the crowd cheering as Zappi's running out on the field. And they just look, he's like looking around in the crowd like, it'd be like if you were broken up with by this girl and you're there at her family's house, like her entire family's there, and they're all cheering for this other guy to come in and start dating her instead of you. <laughs> Like, I like love me. your girlfriend analogies, man. It is so funny. Whenever you pull those out, it, it's spot on. But it's just like funny. you're just like you're like standing there, like wow. None of them like me. They all like him. They, I, I, I'm not wanted. He is. That's oh. <laughs> all. And, and like you know, he came in. They were down ten nothing. They go up fourteen to ten, and it looked like wow. Yep, Zappy's the guy. And I think that the Patriots fans feel like this is another Brady Bledsoe situation. Mm-hmm. Um, that Zappi's that guy who was drafted late, uh, you know, with the established quarterback, you know, being in the spot, he gets hurt. This guy comes in and lights a fire under the team. And I don't see Zappi being Tom Brady, but I do think that the New England offense in general looks better with Zappi under center than Mac Jones. Yeah, no, I think I would have to totally agree. Sir Burrito Banda in the chat says, RIP to Money Mike, about to be coupon Mike at this point. Uh, Steve, uh, what, what are your thoughts on the QB situation? For <laughs> oh, oh I lost the money pick. Okay, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so I honestly completely agree with everything Mike said. I was going to bring up those points exactly. I think a lot of Sports Center and ESPN shows have touched upon. Obviously, the history seems to repeat itself. The Bledsoe-Brady situation that happened before. Again, I agree with Mike. Do I think Zappy's going to be the next Tom Brady no, I he probably won't even be the starter next year. But it is it is a fun story, and I will say, a lot of my friends and I we always like to try to see who can guess who's going to be the stud out of the the uh, quarterback draft class, whatever it is for the year. We all kind of we don't take bets, but we all put it in like an Excel spreadsheet. If you guys want to be a part of it, like that's fun. Year, we all pick we all pick one. It's just like fun to see. You can look back throughout the years and see which ones actually hit and stuff. And my friend swore up and down that Mac Jones was going to be like the next Peyton Manning, the next Tom Brady. And I just want to say that I knew when you saw that picture of him in Alabama with a shirt off, looking like a care bear, (laughs) like he has my body type that like, I'm not saying he can't make it in the NFL, but like (laughs) that dude's going to have to be like, he literally looked like, a fucking care bear the dude's <laughs> physique was awful as a college level athlete i mean i had abs in college like yeah i was a runner but like that dude's gonna have to be perfect in the nfl and 
uh, it just seems like uh, Steve, have know, you like, seen Tom Brady's body? He's not like in perfect shape not either. A, not anymore. That ever since he got into that crazy food diet shit he's been on for two or three years, and where now he looks like a skeleton in his face. <laughs> but that is true. When Tom Brady first went in the league, but then he became Tom Brady. So that's what Mac Jones is going to have to do. So I was just always, whenever Mac Jones is bad, I always just look at him. I was like, "You picked this dude." I just sent him that picture of him smoking the cigar with his shirt <laughs> on to be that dude, but. Like I said, I mean, Mike's probably right. They're probably doing this. Belichick is, is kind of almost mind games. Um, Zappi did look good when he came in, but then they still got destroyed. So the defense gave up a lot of points anyways to a Bears team that was struggling pretty hard. So is it going to be a controversy game after game? Probably, I guess. Maybe he'll just go with the hot hand, Belichick will. But it seems like right now Zappi's the guy and then He'll probably throw three interceptions the next two games or so, and then Mac Jones will come back in, especially knowing Boston yeah. fans in New England. They're going to be cheering for whoever's not throwing interceptions or getting sacked. So. And Bill, Bill Belichick is the perfect head coach for yeah. a quarterback controversy because he just has a yeah. stamp on his forehead to the media that basically just says, fuck off, across everything. <laughs> like, they'll be like, so who's the quarterback? He'll just look at them like, with Duster, like and he'll be like, you'll find out on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> right. That, that was actually pretty – Pretty good impersonation right there. Yeah. On, yeah. Um, we're on to Cincinnati. We're on to the Jets. <laughs> Steve, uh, you scared of the Bears at all? Or are they just still the Bears to you? Um, <laughs> Funny, Mike's already shaking his head. <laughs> I mean, like, no. yeah. Your first reaction, like Mike is indicating, is probably not being scared of them, I guess. But like you said, they did show promise last night. I mean, it's not something you can ignore. Um, they drafted Justin Fields for a reason. We haven't seen his potential until last night. In all right. fairness, in pretty much any other game he's played. But if they the Bears team shows up in a divisional game like that against the Vikings, I could see them pulling out a win, especially in Soldier Field against the Vikings this year. I hope not. I hope the blind squirrel won. always finds the nut sometimes, you know. That, that is true. Eventually the blind squirrel can find <laughs> the nut too. So. so am I scared of them? No. Did it at least open my eyes that they're not the worst team in the NFL last night? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah yeah no that that's a that's a solid point uh we'll move on. <laughs> we'll move on to this next topic um steve made a request prior to this show when we were kind of talking about what we we're going to talk about today and he wanted to just talk about how cringe russell wilson is um so money mike i know steve you, you've seen these things i I'll, I'll show the other uh commercial too as well if we want but money mike have you seen any of these like russell wilson subway commercials no, I have not, and I'm looking forward to seeing them now. <laughs> so this one is an ed- so upset. <laughs> this is an edited reel, and you can see here it says, "Point of view." Russell Wilson is offering you some of his sandwich, and the caption here says it, he gives kidnapper vibes. So, <laughs> so let's give this a listen. Let's go. Hey, you want to uh, split this subway sandwich? It is my signature sandwich. It's called the Danger Witch. And it's dangerously good. Be careful, though. It's spicy. <laughs> you ever done anything dangerous? Jeez, that is dangerous. I've done something like that too. I won't tell anybody. <laughs> Listen, one time. Never mind. That's too dangerous. Anyways, my danger witch, it's only in the vault. That's our little secret. 
you want to? Uh... So, so th- this this is the gist of what Russell Wilson is doing these days, man. What 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 was that, Mike? I had to read along because I couldn't hear it on my end, but I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry." No, it's okay. I was watching it just like, why? <laughs> <laughs> if you do get a chance, Mike, to go and watch it, it's like. It's not even good in a bad way where, like, you could watch a bad movie. Like, it's funny because you know he's not in on the joke. Like, I'm not saying he doesn't know it's not corny, but, like, I think, like, even just, I mean, we're all making fun of him to start the season with, like, the Let's Ride and every Instagram post he did. I just feel like he doesn't know that he's become this cringy. He's like, I it's just like that commercial just sealed it for me i'm so done with that man like he can leave the nfl go be married to sierra she's beautiful congratulations he made your money i do not want to see russell wilson in the nfl anymore i i don't need cool players but i don't need someone that is the cringiest person i've ever seen on my television every week it's spicy it's like it's like uh you know peyton manning and eli do a lot of commercials now yeah and they did a lot of uh, Peyton did a lot of commercials while he was playing, and even if it like if you look back on it and some of it's corny or cringy, it doesn't really come across as corny or cringy because you just know Peyton and Eli are dorks, and like yeah. so it just comes off naturally, you know. Peyton's <laughs> commercial right now where he's the coach and he drops to do the push-ups and he can't do it, shit, like that. That shit's funny because they're very self-deprecating in a very funny way, and I think that that's yeah. why it works so well between those two. And that's like it's not self-deprecating. He just like I guarantee someone's like give this to him and just let him do it i guarantee they gave him notes and he was like oh this is like corny and funny but then like in the background they're like this is like keep it rolling because this shit's it's like (laughs) my 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 favorite peyton manning commercial was a mastercard commercial where it's like extra night in new england and he's standing next to this guy hotel worker he's like you're going down manning that's right i am fourth floor getting a massage today i'm excited <laughs> oh yeah I, I remember that one yeah yeah it was like him in cleveland and him in san diego she's like take a hike he's like you know i'm gonna do that because the weather here's so sweet it's nice <laughs> <laughs> like even that like they have good comedic timing like i yeah. said like just that was the literally the most after. awkward they literally thing. took the subway commercial back that's the, how bad the response was it's not on tv anymore you can only like, i never saw out. that like i never saw that on tv <laughs> yeah mike you're gonna have to watch that yeah, with the audio because dude his delivery out those lines is so bad burrito just absolutely loved it in the chat here but um, we'll uh move on very quickly i had to include this picture in the slideshow uh we didn't talk about the dolphins <laughs> steelers game steelers didn't look too bad it was either the Steelers didn't look too bad or the Dolphins didn't look too good. It was one or the other, honestly. Um, but Kenny Pickett played a little bit better. He, he made some turnovers at the end of the game. Those are things that a young quarterback will be able to figure out as they go, as their team is better around them. The only thing that worries me is what, every time I watch the Steelers, man, Najee Harris looks so damn slow. Like, I don't understand how the dude has kind of fallen off from the first week or the first season to now. I don't know if you guys think the same thing, uh, Steve. It, 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 what are your thoughts on Najee Harris? Or do you think it's just the offensive line being that bad? I, I think it's a combination of offensive line. I'm sure when the passing game is as bad as it is, because it's not great right now. Yeah. It it wasn't with Trubisky or Pickett. Um, I'm sure that obviously takes away with a lot of the options. Obviously, mm-hmm. Roethlisberger last year wasn't lighting up any scoreboards ever, but at least he was competent enough, and people knew him as the veteran quarterback to at least draw some attention away from the run. 
So I don't know if it's fully on him being slow. I guess I haven't really looked and noticed that, but I do just think it's a combination of the Steelers offense not being as dynamic as everyone kind of thought it would be with these playmakers. Right. Um, I think if he's on a different team with at least somewhat competent passing attack, he would be a lot more comparable to what he was last year. That's 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 what I think is going on. But again, yeah. I'm a pretty big Steeler doubter as everyone knew from even the start of the season. So. Yeah, that's fair. And I think that comment stems more from me just being a frustrated fantasy owner of Najee Harris. But Mike, what are your thoughts on the Steelers? And do you think the Dolphins are going to be okay, even with this lackluster performance going forward? Obviously, Tua coming off of the concussion. Yeah, I think that the Dolphins are going to be okay. I think that the Steelers are not very good. Um, but yeah, they beat Tampa Bay, but Tampa's not very good. Um, <laughs> and uh, I just think that the Steelers, you know, they play the Eagles in Philly, then they play the Saints, it's going to be tough, then they play Cincinnati. They'll play the Colts with the, you know, Bellinger at quarterback. Ellinger. So, whatever. <laughs> he even went to Texas. I don't even care. Um, and so, <laughs> Bellinger's your tight end, Mike. Come on. Yeah, that's true. I don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> it's a similar, similar sounding names. That's there all, you, you know. Hey. But I bet Bellinger at quarterback will probably even be better. Um, <laughs> I, I just don't think the Steelers are going to be doing anything this year. Kenny Pickett's going to just get rookie experience, and then maybe they'll be dangerous again next year and more competitive. Um, and I think that for Miami, the uh, Dolphins, need they, they play Detroit this week, then they play Chicago, then they play Cleveland, then they play Houston. So that's four games where they can really build up their standings and be competitive there in the AFC East. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that the, um, Dolphins will be okay too, is going to only get better and healthier. And, um, the defense was playing really well at the beginning of the year. So I think that they will be fine. It comes down to when they have to play Buffalo again, how they'll do against the jets who are a strong team in the AFC East yeah. with Tua back Tua is 10 and two in his last 12 starts. So if he's playing and he's healthy, I think Miami's a dangerous team, and they're a team that's going to be in the playoffs for the AFC, which we predict, I, at least I did. I predicted the beginning of the, the season. Right, yep. So hopefully uh, for your sake, for your confidence, that the Dolphins do make the playoffs. But we'll move on to the picks for this week. So week eight, very fun slate of games for us going forward here. Uh, the All of our teams are going to be playing this week. None of them are on by. Um, so we will start with... The Jacksonville Jaguars. So they will be playing in London against the Denver Broncos here. A lot of storylines surrounding this matchup. If the Denver Denver Broncos fall to the Jacksonville Jaguars in their second home in London, then there is going to be some changes made in the Broncos organizations. There there are some talks about Bradley Chubb getting traded. There are some talks about Nathaniel Hackett already getting fired. So this is a must-win for the Denver Broncos organization going to Jacksonville. I will make the pick first here, and I think the Jags finally end their losing skid of four games, and they're able to pull out the dub here. It's going to be a close one, but they're finally going to figure out how to win a close game. God, I hope that I'm right here. Uh, Steve, why don't you go next with this one? I'm picking the Jags, too. Like you said, it's their second home. They always seem to play pretty well in London. Um, I, I just think this Broncos team... I think the Jags are going to have another rebound game. They played pretty decent against the Giants. I think if that same team even shows up overseas against the Broncos, they're going to beat them by at least 10. Um, I just think it's also a tribute to how bad this Broncos team is this year. The defense is pretty decent, honestly. I mean, they've held a lot of teams, at least for a little bit, to some pretty low point scores. 
to even let the offense keep in. I mean, they had, what, two games back-to-back with just field goals, mm-hmm. not a touchdown thrown. I mean, that's pretty good on the defense. But I just think you can only, as a defense, be doing that for so long. So I'm, I'm going to pick the Jags, and I think it's I, – I don't know if it'll be close, honestly. I, I think this Jags team is just much better than the Broncos after they've had a stream of playing some really bad teams. And yeah. the Jacksonville Jaguars are like a middle-of-the-road pack from what we've seen. They may have the same record right now, but the way they both both teams have played, Jacksonville just seems like the much better team. Yep, the Jaguars uh, coming in favorited for this one. Sir Burrito Bandit, I'll give his prediction real quick. He says, Jags not winning a close game because they're going to blow them out 82-0. to Hit up the money line with that one. So I hope you're right, my friend. Money Mike, how do you think this game's going to go? The fork. If the Jags don't win this game, you can stick it in them because they'll be done. That's how I feel about this. They should easily beat the Broncos. And so the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> will win this game. But if they don't win, season's over. Stick a fork in them. They're done. I love it. I love that you had to hold it up and say, this is a fork. Thank you, buddy, Mike. Thank you for telling us what that was. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for the theatrics. That made that much more fun. So... We'll, we'll move on to the next game here listed on the slate, and that is, let's see, the Minnesota Vikings hosting the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray, and his squad coming off of a victory. I believe they have a share of the lead in the NFC West now because of the 49ers losing. So uh, this is a big game for them, but it's also a big game for Minnesota because I wouldn't say this is their best competition, but it's, a, it's at least a solid team that's coming in with uh, a DeAndre Hopkins-led squad that's... Uh, looking that had a fantastic performance in their last game steve how do you think this is gonna go yeah i mean obviously the last performance kind of makes me a little bit nervous for the cardinals coming in um hopkins being back is gonna make any team better and it, i think i saw a stat the other day that he was um thrown to 42 percent of the time passing mm-hmm. attempts so the vikings defense better be ready to if not double cover and make sure we obviously which we will have our best corner on him at all times during the game um going back to some cringy stuff did anybody see his coming back video his his comeback video he put on twitter for himself no (laughs) okay well he was getting roasted justifiably so because who makes a hype video after you get suspended for (laughs) it's not like he came back from like a career-ending injury or like a season-ending injury you decided to take substances that were illegal it got suspended so i don't that just yeah i always like Hopkins, but that kind of rubbed me the wrong way um but regardless um yeah this is a tough game this is a game i think the vikings could honestly maybe drop um i hope not i'm go i am gonna pick the vikings um i do think they can pull it out with obviously our pass game is always strong i'm hoping cook can really get together he's still in the top of the rushing yards in the season it just doesn't feel like it even when i watch it watch mm-hmm. the games it's like he he keeps getting these like short spurt games and he might break one eventually which obviously is uh that's running back's goal but it just doesn't seem like he's the cook we had a few years ago before the injuries and now mm-hmm. we're even in talks to trade madison to get some value out of him and i kind of hope they don't just in case for cook you just never know he's kind of like a christian mccaffrey in that sense yeah. where you kind of want to hold on to a pretty pretty okay competent uh backup for that reason but i hope that between cook getting it together us coming off the bye week which sometimes teams struggle that our passing attack can still be pretty strong and i think it'll be close no matter what and i think it should be pretty high scoring but i'll take the vikings all right well uh 
If this game was in Arizona, I think I would have taken them, but I think since it's in Minnesota, I'm going to be taking the Vikings. Money Mike, what, you th what do you think? I, this is a rematch of a really exciting game last year. It was 34-33 in Arizona between these two teams. Uh, I picked your team, Drew, in the first matchup. I went with Jacksonville, and I'm going to stick to that theme and pick Steve's Vikings to win this game. Um, I think the Cardinals have been very up and down, but I feel like the Vikings are you know, coming off of a bye and are a little more rested and are a little bit more steady than Arizona is. So I'm going to go with Minnesota for that reason. Um, I just think that they're at home. It's in the 1 o'clock time slot, so we're going to get the best we can out of Kirk Cousins. Uh, so I think that that's going to be what takes the Vikings over the top. All right. Well, Money Mike, we talked a little bit about this game earlier. The Geno Smith revenge game. The New York Giants traveling all the way to Seattle to face the surging Geno Smith without DK Metcalf. Uh, how do you think this game's going to go, and what's your prediction? Well, as I said before, the uh, Giants struggle against the run. Um, they have injuries at offensive line. They don't have really a solid set of wide receivers. Um, and they're playing against a team that's playing really well. And they're on the road in Seattle where it's a very tough environment. And they are once again the underdogs. But I'm going to roll with the New York Giants to go 7-1 and one into their bye. Despite a lot of factors that would cause me to... And again, even before the season, I looked at this game and I was definitely nervous about it. I think on a scale of 1-10, to 10, my confidence in this pick is at about a 4 um, but I'm picking the Giants not because of any kind of um, lack of confidence in Coach Dayball or Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley. I just think this is a very uh, – this is one of those trap games where it's like you feel like you're the better team, you should win, but it's on the road against a team that has some momentum and you could be uh, upset, even though the Giants are the ones who are the underdogs. So I'm going to go with the Giants, but I think that it definitely is a tough game. I feel about, I feel kind of like this game, like I did the Dallas game. Where I'm like, I think we can win, but I wouldn't be surprised if we lose. Yeah, no, that's that's a totally fair assessment. I am going to go with the Giants here, and I think it's because that Seattle defense is just that bad. Uh, they uh, they give up points, and I think the Giants defense is going to be able to hold enough uh, to be able to get the win. I think it's going to be another close one, and I think a lot of people are going to be like, what's wrong with Seattle? But I think the Giants are going to win this, and they're going to go 7-1. and one. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think I've chosen against the Giants a lot this year, so hope, hopefully I'm not jinxing your team, Mike. But I, going in, I was kind of looking at, obviously, you already know it as being a fan of the team, that the rushing attack could be your biggest weakness, and Kenneth Walker has been a stud since he's come in and replaced um, Penny after. So we'll see if they can at least hold him to somewhat of a low low game in the rushing yard so that would probably be the main thing but i'm going to pick the giants for all the reasons you guys stated i think they just have the better offense technically compared to seattle's defense and then vice versa i think the giants defense is just better compared to the seattle's offense if you had to put those two matchups back to back i think oh, yeah, and, on top of those. And, and, and the giants haven't lost on the road yet this year and traveling to seattle is far but they did travel to london already and beat green bay so there you go they're they're not shy to travel far. Yeah, they're used to winning after a long plane ride. Just a very quick prediction. Sir Barino Bandit says Giants winning it all. So you can guess that he means that they're going to win this game as well. So uh, we'll move on to the next one here. And that is Sunday Night Football on NBC. The Green Bay Packers and the reeling Aaron Rodgers squad traveling to Highmark Stadium to face the Buffalo Bills coming off of a bye week. Um, I imagine all three of us are going to have the same pick for this game. I think the Bills are going to absolutely decimate this Green Bay Packers squad at home, and I think they're going to keep rolling on to their next matchup. Steve, what do you think is going to happen here? 
Yeah, I agree. I think the Bills are going to smash the Packers. I, the only caveat I will say is that I've seen my team play against Aaron Rodgers enough times that even though all the crap we talked about him before, I'm not saying that a Packers team led by him can't come in at least have, if the Bills seem a little stale, come in. Because they have had a few halves at least. They've never played a full game yet this season where it seems like they've been trouncing people. But I hopefully, Mike already talked about it, this isn't a trap game for the Bills coming off a bye. If they don't look a little stagnant coming up, coming in and kind of take the Packers a little lightly. Because while I, do, I don't think this is a Packers team, obviously, of old, we all know that. I... I'm just saying, Bills fans, just, just be careful. Like, he's still Aaron Rodgers at the end of the day, even though he's a fucking goon. He still have to respect his ability. So yeah. I'm picking the Bills. Just be careful. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see the Bills losing the Packers. I, I think the, the deciding factor for this game, if the Packers are going to find any success, is if they can get their run game going. If, mm-hmm. if they win this game, it's going on to be on the backs of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, in my opinion. Money Mike, how do you think this game's going to go? Well, normally the Sunday night game ends around like 11.30. I think I can comfortably go to bed at 10 knowing the results of this game. Uh, I think Buffalo's just going to take a big dump in the cheese head. You know, make, think, think of a toilet seat, the shape of that. Picture it being a cheese head, and that's what the Bills are going to do. They're going to take a dump on that cheese head and just – that this game could probably end 40-something to 10 you know, I think they're just going to absolutely—they're absolutely going to maul them. Oh man, that is a—that is a prediction I don't think I've ever heard for Money Mike. Just an absolute double down on the Bills killing their opponent. That is—that is a sight to be seen. I, I should say, Mike. It's going to—they're going to chew them up and spit them out. That's how it's going to be. All right. Well, Money Mike is very confident in the Buffalo Bills. He doesn't seem to be as confident these days about his uh, survivor pick are we going to continue with this steve or are we are we calling it after mike already lost well i I mean i'm technically with a survival double elimination i'm technically out because i week one i picked ian's panthers great pick that was and uh (laughs) last week i picked the patriots and they let me down so i'm technically out but if i were if i were to advise you steve to put your money on anybody this week in terms of a lock I would say go with Miami over um, over Detroit. That would right. be my my game for you to put your money on. We're making that ten dollars back, Mike. Yeah, yeah let's the, do it. We're... <laughs> there's that game, and then there's the Tennessee over Houston. But the, that's a division game, so that's a kind of a trap one. So I would say go with Miami over Detroit. There you go, Money Mike giving us picks. If you are a betting listener and you want to take a the Miami money line, which I'm sure is going to have a lot of juice, so it's probably not going to be worth it. But if you want to do that and roll with Money Mike, then do so. Uh, last prediction here. Uh, Ian says that the Panthers win this week and take hold of the first place in the NFC South. And he will also be traveling to a Mortal Kombat tournament, and he says that he is going to bust and be sad. Uh, stop downplaying. You're going to kick ass, and you're going to bring home that trophy. And hopefully the Panthers win for you this week. Have more confidence in yourself than the Panthers. What have they shown you? Right? <laughs> yeah, Ian, you're the one that gets resolved, goddammit. Yeah. All right. So that ends our talk. Say bust a nut. <laughs> you say bust a nut. I love it. Yeah, good luck, Ian. Yeah, this is a uh, this is a rated R show, not not safe for children. Um, uh, we, we dropped a few F-bombs. This, uh, they, they know what they're in for now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, so, 
now we have to talk about this absolute disappointment of a performance, or at least an ending, uh, for the Syracuse Orange against the Clemson Tigers. So, unfortunately, the Syracuse Orange were unable to hang on to a lead at halftime. They had a lead 21-10. to Their quarterback, Schrader, was able to score points with his legs. He was able to make plays. Syracuse was able to force turnover after turnover on this Clemson team who weren't a team that were causing or, or that were committing a lot of turnovers throughout the season. But unfortunately, coming out of halftime, Syracuse forced two more turnovers and didn't score any points off of that. And with a team like Clemson, you can't give them any leeway. And they were able to make a surging comeback after bringing in their backup quarterback, being able to run the ball efficiently and put points on the board when they needed to. Now, there were a couple... Weird calls with refereeing and everything, but unfortunately, I think that is the reason why Syracuse was unable to win this game. They were not able to capitalize on their opportunities in the second half, and they fall to the Clemson Tigers. I believe the final score was 27-21. to 21. Please correct me if I was wrong, but Money Mike, what were your thoughts as you were uh, watching this game? Well, I, you know, had to, we had it on at work in the service area. So I had to go like check it out whenever I got my chances. I couldn't sit down and watch the game on every snap. But one of my biggest curiosities was Tucker's one of the better running backs in college football, and he was only given five chances to carry the ball. I'm very curious as to what was behind that decision. Like, is he kind of hurt and they're trying to limit his carries? Uh, but I don't know why they weren't trying to establish the run more um, to try to maybe control the ball, especially when you have a lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was something that was kind of concerning for me. Um, you know, it, it, when you were up 21 to 10 against Clemson, you know that Clemson's going to come out in the second half and throw something at you. So it wasn't really necessarily surprising that Clemson came back because they are a strong college football program, one of the best in the nation. Uh, but it was exciting to see Syracuse competitive in this game all the way through. It was just disappointing they couldn't come through at the end. I think that this game doesn't mean all oh, Syracuse isn't really for real. I think, no, Syracuse is a good football team, but I think they just – they didn't take advantage of opportunities, as you said. I don't think they did enough to try to establish the run. They didn't stick with it uh, or even try to establish it. Um, I'm very curious to see what uh, – I'll ask uh, Tyler Verkler, our mutual friend, who was there at the game, what he thought was behind that. Uh, but it was just, you know, it was unfortunate that, you know, Clemson pulled their quarterback and the other guy who stepped in was able to really play really well and uh, that we couldn't get the W on the road. But the fact that they were competitive in the game, I think – keeps uh, Syracuse highly ranked even though they lost yeah no I think that's going to be a good outcome for them in the long run obviously there's already bowl eligible I believe so uh that they'll be playing later into the season Steve what were your thoughts on this game if you were able to catch it yeah same same thing Mike said um I think when you're that far ahead against a team that's as good as Clemson is you really do have to at least take some time off the clock so like he said I I can't tell you why Tucker only got five five rushes and attempts to run the ball this game since he is a pretty decent running back he's established. So that was probably one of my biggest takeaways, but the fact that SU's defense, I mean, you can't fault him. I mean, 27 points is a lot. And obviously the second half was a little rough to watch the comeback, but a team like Clemson holding him to 27 throughout the entire game. That's, that's pretty, pretty and they good. They forced five turnovers, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you can't really blame them. I, I mean, do they I think scored a third entire... of the points with the fumble return, too, so the offense just didn't do their job, right? Yeah. Do I think it's all on the offense, too? No. Do I think it was a little bit, probably like 50%, you yeah. know, probably on some play calls? But, I mean, like Mike said, as a Syracuse football program that, what was it, three years ago they went 1-10 in 10, or four years ago, whatever it was, 
you can't be upset for still being six and one right now facing Notre Dame at home. That's a streaking Notre Dame team. That's I believe four and three, I think maybe even three and four. So if you can come back and get a nice comeback game in the dome this weekend um, against a prestigious team like Notre Dame, even if they're on an off season or yeah, having an off season, then that's, that'd be good. I mean, seven and one is an SU program. That's really been having a great year. Can't be that upset. Would have been nice to be undefeated going to that game and beat Clemson and be number one in the division and the ACC. Yeah, but you know what? We'll take it. And like you yeah. said, they're already bowl eligible. So there you go. Yeah, and uh, the ACC championship game. Sorry. Right. Yep. That that's true. Yeah. They might get another crack at uh, the Clemson Tigers. And then one final point here. I remember when I was watching the game, I was like listening to the commentators, and they were saying that Syracuse. Syracuse's defense, although they played well, they were undersized. And, you know, it, like, eventually the running game is going to win a, win over you if you're playing with an undersized defense. Like, you know, the offensive line is going to be able to make a push, especially if the offensive side of the ball isn't managing the clock correctly. So your defense is going to get tired. They're not going to be able to make the plays, and that is exactly what happened with Clemson. So tough loss to take, but still positive things to look forward to in the future for the Syracuse football program. So... In terms of positive things, Money Mike is feeling positive about this slide that I just brought up here. The New York Yankees are officially out of the playoffs, getting swept by the Houston Astros. Close games all around, but unfortunately, they just weren't able to handle the Astros squad. Their pitching was phenomenal, especially led by Justin Verlander, and the Yankees just weren't weren't able to put up enough uh, points uh, on a on a game-to-game basis to be able to take any of the games here. So, Money Mike, let us know your thoughts. Let Burrito know your thoughts. <laughs> he says deuces, so I don't know if he's hopping out of the chat because he doesn't want to listen to this. Um, but go ahead. Listen, it's like what I talk about the Bills. I'm just trying to temper everybody's expectations, trying to make sure <laughs> everybody's ready for what's going to happen. And I said the Yankees were not going to make the World Series because I knew how good Houston was. Houston's good from top to bottom. And the Yankees had their flaws, and Houston swept them. I would throw in the note that the Red Sox made the ALCS last year against Houston, and we at least won two games. So, But we didn't even make the playoffs <laughs> this year, so I'm not going to you know dive too much into that. But if you're the New York Yankees, you have got to be very frustrated um, with this organization. They have not made the World Series since 2009, and Aaron Boone is not – a great manager. I don't know why. I think he's there because he's a puppet for the front office because um, he will do everything basically that they say. Um, and I just think that if, if I, if I were not a Red Sox fan and I wanted the best for the New York Yankees, I'd fire Aaron Boone. I'd pay Aaron judge and I'd figure out a way to get p- players to want to come back to the Yankees and really make the Yankees that dominant team that they were in the late nineties, early two thousands. But the Yankees just have not been that even though they had a really good year this year and judge was chasing the record. It was just never, they, they weren't ever like that great of a hitting team. They were only a team that could hit home runs. They can't play small ball. If they're not hitting home runs, they can't win a game. And they paid Garrett Cole, but he's really their only like real big pitcher name. Severino's good. And they've got like that guy with the mustache is really good, but he's not like superstar. <laughs> Nestor. You <know>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Na- yeah. Nasty Nestor. Uh, but his name escaped me for a moment, but it's just like, if you're the New York Yankees, you have to really look at this off season and be like, enough is enough. We're like, we have to go out, spend money and make the New York Yankees 
a championship team like we are supposed to be because they really they're the most successful franchise in all of sports. Right. And that's you know don't shy away from who you are. Okay. When people get on the Yankees like oh they buy talent. Okay. Yeah. That's what we do. Keep doing that. That's that's your identity. Just steer into the skid. Be that. Be who you are. Right. All right. Don't try to be something that you're not. You're not a team that's going to develop players and and make a great team that way. You're a team that is. We're the Yankees. If you are a player that's great, we'll pay you to come play for us, and we'll give you a championship. It's like when Pat Riley brought in LeBron James to Miami. Their meeting was him sitting across from LeBron. He put rings on the table and go, "This is what I can do for you." Right. And LeBron's like, "Okay." So if I were the manager of the Yankees, I'd, I'd grab 27 rings, put them on the table with every free agent, and be like, this is what this is about. Right. Okay. Yeah, you know exactly. There shouldn't be but, any reason why a player wouldn't want to play for the Yankees, right? Right. Well, uh, I, I just hope – now I'm going to turn that off and be back to being me and being the Red Sox fan. I hope that they lose Aaron Judge. I hope that they keep Aaron Boone, and I hope they continue to suck and not make the World Series. Burrito so. definitely left because he has not commented on, on anything you have said. So there's no hey, way. Mike said Mike said some nice things to start <laughs> off. Yes, that's true. He qualified it with some nice things to start, but uh, so that with the Yankees losing that through the Astros into the World Series for this season, and the Philadelphia Phillies make it to the World Series as well. I know coming into the season, a lot of people did not expect that. Steve, what you got? Yeah, so again, ba- uh, playoff baseball and playoff hockey is usually when I start coming into it a little bit more, and I have been watching. And I actually have been really impressed with this Phillies team. But as a nation, there's a crazy stat that I know everyone really hates on the Astros for the whole cheating fiasco we had. But Ever since 1929, every time a Philadelphia baseball team has won the World Series, the next year the market crashes completely, whether it's the Great Depression or in 08 when it crashed. So the Philadelphia A's, before they were the Oakland A's, won in 1929 the World Series. Oh, God. In 1980, the Philadelphia Phillies won before a Great Recession in the 1980 1980 and in 2008 the philadelphia phillies won the world series right before the market crashed so all this talk about recession so i'm just throwing it out there i'm not superstitious i'm a little stitious if you don't hey, Michael scott yeah <laughs> if, if you're looking at your tia cref account right now you are probably rooting for the houston astros that's all i'm gonna say i'm gonna fucking lose my job <laughs> <laughs> with this uh, Phillies World Series win. So, God damn it, let's go, Astros. Uh, Money Mike, how do you feel about this World Series? How do you think it's going to go? I think that a lot of, if you're not from Houston and you're not an Astros fan, I think the majority of baseball fans are rooting for the Philadelphia yeah. Phillies. Bryce Harper is just so easy to root for. Um, you know, when he hit that home run to go ahead in the closeout game, he literally, they caught him on camera looking up and he's just like, did I just do that? Like, that was cool. You know, that was a cool moment. With all those points Steve's bringing up, though, it's like, oh, shit. I, maybe I don't want the Phillies to win, but um, it's also kind of cool that during this World Series, not this week, but next week, the Houston Texans will be playing the Philadelphia Eagles at the same time this World Series is going on. Kind of like how, like, last night the Patriots were losing to the Bears, and unfortunately the Celtics lost to the Bulls. So it's like, oh, man, that's kind of a funny coincidence when the two sports towns meet on multiple levels. Um, Houston will win the World Series. Um, they're by far just the, – they're just the, been the best team in baseball all year long. So they're they're going to win the World Series. Spoiler alert to those – listening and watching uh but i hope it's a good fight i hope it's an entertaining series philly's definitely like the surprise team and the hotter team but that doesn't always mean that you're going to be the team that wins i mean the houston astros right now have swept their way to the world series 
And the only team to complete the sweep and do that throughout the whole process was in 1976 with the Cincinnati Reds. I think that was with Pete Rose and uh, those guys back in the day. I don't think they'll sweep them, but I think that it'll be like a 4-1-4-2 series where Houston just, they've been the best team all year long. They're going to cap it off with a World Series win. Would you agree, Steve? Yeah, I I would agree. Just like I said, I, I'm not a baseball fan in terms of obviously what Mike and some of our friends are, but I do try to keep up a little bit here and there during the regular season then really get into it in the playoffs, and that's what it seems to me. But the Poles and Phillies are greased. They said just in case for a Phillies win, so... No destroying the city this time. You're going to be sliding down those poles, Philly <laughs> fanatics, if you guys pull it out. So, all right. Well, that should that should make to be at least in an exciting series. It seems like everybody is kind of on the Astros train here. I am on the Astros train, just because I don't want us to go into a recession. But we'll move on to uh, very quickly. We'll uh, review the UFC 280 card that happened this past Saturday afternoon on in the East Coast in the U.S. It happened in Abu Dhabi, so we were able to watch this. Uh, a little bit earlier than normal, we were able to not be falling asleep during the main event, which featured Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makhachev, and Charles Oliveira was outclassed, and Islam Makhachev does seem to live up to the hype, Khabib coming out and saying that Makhachev is the better version of him, and so far, that is almost looking the case already. Uh, Steve, what, what did you think about the main event fight here? Yeah, I completely agree. Again, I was outside. I was um, siding my house, but I did catch all the highlights later and watched some of the fights back illegally, but that's all right. The podcast <laughs> isn't big enough to get me in trouble for that. But <laughs> it's also, it also long... doesn't pay enough for you to pay for those freaking pay-per-views. That, that's also true. <laughs> so I think you are right, though. I think Islam is really the real deal. I think Charles actually looked really good in round one, honestly. I, I think that he showed that he's still the same one, and uh, honestly, everyone gets gets caught, so I think he just got submitted. And some people are saying that the old Charles is back, the person that can kind of quit through fights, but I really do think that Islam <laughs> is honestly just that good and people aren't giving yeah. enough credit to it. But I think that fight between him and Volkanovski, it's going to be really tough for Volk, but he's been on a tear lately so i'm actually really excited for that fight i'm sure you'll discuss later that seems to be the next setup for the lightweight title volkanovsky is going to give up a lot of weight going up in weight class but i think he has the tools to at least make it a very competitive fight and like i said he's been on point especially with his striking lately it seemed like so is islam striking looked a little bit better but volk's been a monster staying on his feet and the man used to be like 230 pounds so I think he could probably gain a little bit of muscle back, even though he's a little bit shorter, and at least be pretty comparable weight-wise. So I'm pretty excited for that fight going forward. I'm glad they set it up. It's nice when UFC kind of gets like the WWE-type standards of setting up the next like title challenger right in a row. I kind of miss that about the old like Chuck Liddell, Tito, Randy Couture-type era. They always had a, a... You knew the lineage going in. You knew someone was going to be in the crowd to so call someone out. Even Connor back in the day when he was going it seemed like that was always kind of an mo mo of some people so it's nice to see that happening again too it would have been yeah. nice in front of a crowd really but yeah but what can but you do at this point right yeah uh so it, it, sometimes the ufc does do that and it ends up falling through though right because we, we saw the That's thing true. with daniel cormier and brock lesnar right it, it, there was so much hype surrounding that fight it never ended up happening because brock will never stop doing steroids right <laughs> Yeah, that was also more of a friend thing, though. Right, I that's know true, too. For me and Lesnar are really friends, so I know they were talking about it with Dana, but I don't... I, I think now at least the UFC is like, they kind of know 
that yeah. obviously Volk was going to be there, and I think they both hoped that they were going to say something when they did. So, it, I guess, I guess, yeah, you're right. As long <laughs> as the UFC knows about it a little bit more than right. just someone up in the cage. Yeah. No, exactly. It, it turned out to be a great fight. Islam, obviously, with the better striking compared to Khabib, and it seems that he has the same wrestling pedigree, so I could see why he's saying that Islam might be the better version of him. And if that's the case, there's going to be a lot of do- dominance for a lot of years to come if Volkanovski is not able to pull off this win. But like you said, it's going to be an interesting fight because Volkanovski is a shorter guy. I th- I'm guessing he's going to have some pretty solid wrestling defense. So if it ends up being a striking battle, I think Volkanovski could definitely pull out that win. Uh, we'll move on to the second fight of the card real quick here. Aljamain Sterling defeats TJ Dillashaw. After Dillashaw ends up coming into the fight with a dislocated shoulder. Um, so it kind of came into this fight knowing that Aljamain was going to win. Uh, I mean, there was no way TJ was going to beat him with one arm, right? So uh, Aljamain pulls off the win, and he continues on as the champion of the bantamweight division. And uh, our thoughts coming into this pay-per-view was that the winner of the Sean O'Malley and Peter Yan fight, that person was then going to get the title opportunity. But now there's talks about Henry Cejudo coming back to face Aljamain Sterling for the belt now. Uh, Money Mike, the guy with the pink hair, won. So, uh... <laughs> did he have the did he have the blue did he have blue or did he have red? I what, what color was red. his hair, Steve? It was red, reddish, oh. pinkish, reddish. No, 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 no. I, I'm saying the, the the wristbands. You know, oh. they have the, the blue and the red. Oh, I honestly don't. Remember. Yeah, I, I don't remember <laughs> which color. How many times the blue I, one versus the red? I can look it up for you, technically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look, look it up real quick while I talk about this. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, I I was hey, I I didn't think a guy with pink hair could do anything, but I was I was wrong. Yeah. No, he was able to track, I hope he doesn't track me down and beat me up. <laughs> now, I will say it is it has been a very hotly debated topic of whether he did actually win the fight. He won a judge's decision that was razor close. Peter Yan was able to get a number of different uh, takedowns, and he was able to kind of get the positional control at times. And Sean O'Malley was able to land the more strikes and, and be more effective with his type of game. A lot of people think Peter Yan won the fight. Sean O'Malley did win the fight. But... Like I said, Steve, going forward, it's going to make it interesting to see who Aljamain Sterling faces for the belt. Yeah. Um, so who? what color did you think would win, Mike? Blue. I was going with okay. Giants blue. You were, you were right on the main event, and then you were wrong for one, two, three. You were wrong for three of the other. Uh, <laughs> the main event. <laughs> but you got the main event right, so that, that'll work. <laughs> There but yeah, go. I uh, I think you outlined honestly what's best for the division right now. I love Sean O'Malley. We talked about it. He brings a lot of great charisma and uh, just new blood, I think, to that division. But I think the best matchup for the Bantamweight division right now would be if Cejudo does come back, which I hope he does. I love Triple C. Lord Cringe. See, that cringe is funny because <laughs> he's in on the cringe. joke. Yeah. He knows what he's doing, but... <laughs> Regardless, I think him and Eljo would actually be a really great matchup, especially him coming off of all that time. Because um, I think Suhudo back in the day in his prime would beat Sterling pretty decisively. Um, don't know that for sure, obviously. But and then I think people are saying Jan O'Malley too. Ah, I don't. No, I, I don't. I, I don't, I don't, like that I don't at hate all. it. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't hate it. I think as much as you do. Yeah. But people are saying uh, probably Cheeto and him rematching because mm. there's some story there. Cheeto's been on a tear. Marlon I think Bear. him versus Sanhagen would be a really good fight. That that would be. I think I actually think Cheeto's above Sanhagen right now. I think Sanhagen needs to just. Uh, get I'm a saying really O'Malley diff- versus Sanhagen. Oh 
yeah, yeah, that that could be good. I just think he's he's already number two ranked in the world, so I don't think right. he's even going to take that fight. I think Cheeto and him are next, and then that's the number one contenders fight. And they're already thinking it's going to be on the same card as if they do the Cejudo, um, Aljo fight. So I think that's the matchups to make next. Um, like you said, it was a really close call. I actually I know I'm a little biased because I like Sean a little bit better, but I do like Peter. Yeah, I actually think people are saying it's a robbery. You need to go back and watch the fight again. Jan got a couple takedowns, and yeah, it was six minutes of control, but that was all, like, one takedown. A lot mm-hmm. of times, Sean actually got up pretty quick, so what did Jan really do with those takedowns? Significant yeah. strikes, he beat him by, like, 30. So, between rounds, I, it so, second round, 100% Jan. Mm-hmm. It, it had to be. It couldn't be even close from what I saw in the fight. Third round was definitely O'Malley, so it's just whether you gave the first to Sean or Jan, and yeah. it was close enough where you could go either way. So, people are saying it's one of the biggest robberies in UFC history, I just think. Or, I think it's so dumb. If you can like, make a um, case for either guy to win, it's not a, ro- a robbery. Yeah. So, yeah. like like I said, I just saw a lot of hate on there. And I think it's honestly just like when Connor would win a fight like that and people thought it was close. I think it's just a lot of Sean hate. Yeah. I mean, you can think Jan won the fight, but to say it's the biggest robbery in UFC history is kind of crazy <laughs> to me. But It's a little bit of a stretch. But yeah, this, this card ended up setting up for some very interesting matchups to come obviously the ufc 281 card i'm very excited for because of the matchup between israel adesanya and alex Pereira. so uh we'll talk about that as that card comes closer money mike you didn't watch this did you no all right so we'll move on (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll move on to a very quick nba update i know we've been meaning to get you guys uh steve and mike's predictions for this year's nba finals it's a long nba season we will make sure to do that when we know we don't have a jam-packed show for you guys today. But did want to at least allow these guys to give you an update on how their teams are doing. Steve, we'll start with your Utah Jazz, who have been able to get a few wins. Yeah, we are currently 3-1. and one. Uh, We actually dropped the one game, I thought, looking at our uh, first 10 games that I thought we, we would actually take. But that's kind of how it goes sometimes. So we came out of the gates and... Won a couple really close games, two straight overtimes before last night's loss to the Houston Rockets. Um, in overtime, we beat a couple okay teams in the West. I mean, the first win was pretty solid, beating um, the Denver Nuggets. That's a solid win. The Nuggets are always going to be tough, as long as they got the Joker as set in the center position for the team. Um, I just pretty happy with how these young Jazz players have played. I mean, led by a older veteran Mike Conley at point guard. Um, we got a couple decent players in some trades. I mean, Sexton's, we always knew he was pretty good, but the trade with the Cavaliers, obviously, for Donovan Mitchell, getting him in, he's performed well. And like I said, a lot of these young professionals seem to be playing pretty well. So a team that I, probably being a little bit more mad than I should have been as a, a Jazz fan, losing two of my favorite players, um, predicted they'd probably win 15 to 20 games. Um I, I still don't foresee them winning too much more than 30 as like an actual realistic one. I do think it'll slowly start catching up when the NBA teams in the league start getting into more form and playing a lot better too. I think they came out of the gates just pretty hot and fired up everyone thinking they would suck so bad. Um, but they're not making the playoffs, even in the West and the NBA, that it's decently easy to make the playoffs. And if they do, it'll be an eighth seed and they'll probably face the Warriors, who I'm sure we'll talk about with Mike later when we talk about our picks for who we think is going to be in the NBA Finals. So, honestly, if they can just play some teams tough and get out some wins against some really good teams in the West, like here and there, 
whether it's home or away, I'd be pretty happy as a Jazz fan going with all those unrestricted uh, picks in the next few drafts. So I'm pleasantly surprised for uh, I knew what, which was going to be a tough season for my team. So there you go. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Money Mike, how's Daniel Tice doing this year? He's not on the Celtics, so I don't know. <laughs> how are your Celtics doing? You know, they started off 3-0, and uh, like the Jazz, and they had just dropped the game to Chicago last night. You know, they jumped off to an early lead of 35-16, to but then they lost the game 120-102 to um, in Chicago. So, you know, it's basketball. You're not going to go no, – nobody goes 82-0. and You know, you're going to lose some games uh, here and there. But the Celtics look like they're playing in sync. Tatum already is averaging 32 points per game. Brown's averaging 24 points per game. They're going to be a, a two-headed monster for everybody. <laughs> Uh, and uh, they're they're still committed to playing defense, and yeah, I just I, I think the Celtics will be a top three seed in the East going into the playoffs, um, barring any injuries or anything like that that could set them back. But they uh, very well could be the number one seed just by having the best record in the regular season. Um, but uh, definitely, there are some teams to look out for in the East. I am so happy and thrilled to see the Philadelphia 76ers uh, being as bad as they've been. Um, it's been really fun also that Brooklyn hasn't looked that good either. I, I really, the NBA is like the one sport that I have a favorite team, but I don't really hate anybody in particular. There are particular players I root against. And so I, when I root against a particular player, I'm rooting against their team. Like I think Joel Embiid is Kyrie a jackass. Irving. Okay. Uh, I, I hate Kyrie Irving. <laughs> uh, no, because Joel Embiid just like flops all the time. He whines and I'm not a big fan of James Harden either. The last few years, I liked him when he was at, at, when he first started in Houston, but like, you know, lately I just haven't standed the guy. So I root against Philadelphia for that reason. I root against Brooklyn because of Kyrie Irving, solely because of Kyrie Irving. Because um, I actually like Steve Nash and Kevin Durant, but I fucking hate Kyrie Irving. Um, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> like I'm a, I'm a Celtics fan who doesn't help. I, I'm a Celtics fan who doesn't hate the LA Lakers. Like right. so, I I I, uh, I don't really hate any NBA team in particular. It's just those are the particular players I root against. So I cheer against those teams, and I'm glad to see them suffer. But the Celtics have looked good. I feel good about the Celtics uh, this year, and I think they've got a chance to maybe get another chance at the NBA Finals. There you go. Steve, did you have something? Yeah, so I'm going to throw real quick. I know we're running a little late, but Mike, I can you guess my player that I really hate? Not the most, but probably top three. I feel like I'll give you a hint. He's a point guard, and he's very Russell Westbrook. Oh, okay, no. Nope. Um... I, I do love Westbrook. I love when he was throwing up triple You hate Steph whatever. Curry? Nope, I love I love Steph. Like I said, you guys are gonna be shocked and people are gonna be mad. But you're saying so he's very likable. Uh, Chris Paul. It is Chris Paul. Oh. I fucking hate Chris Paul. <laughs> Why? He goes to so every time I became a new Jazz fan when I was there, they would always play whether he was on the Thunder or the Suns lately. He is such a dick. Like he knows that like whatever team he's on is probably better than the jazz. Even when we had Mitchell or Gobert, and he is such a dick on the court to everyone. He can play, obviously everyone in the NBA can plays the refs, but just like, even when in person, I was like, he was drawing with refs. I was like, the play is like, we are coming down the court and he is still drawing to the refs about a play that happened. Like two, I don't, there's just something so like, obviously like Beverly is like a hated player, but for someone that everyone loves Chris Paul, like people don't see that this dude is like a no. douche on the court sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. He just rubs me the wrong way. And obviously a lot of biases that the Suns or even the Thunder or the Rockets when he was on the Rockets, any West team in the West would always beat the jazz every time he was on it. And it would always just rub me the wrong way. 
fuck, fuck Chris, Chris Paul. Paul. Fuck, so if, fuck, if fuck State Farm. Fuck Chris Paul. <laughs> if you didn't throw out that clue of like he's likable, Chris Paul was my first guess. I only reason I guess Steph oh, okay. is because you, you you get he's really likable. I'm like, well, everyone loves Steph, so you you're like, you're like people are gonna be mad because no, I, I I think Chris Paul's an asshole too. Okay, like, well that makes <laughs> me feel better because I feel like I even from like jazz fans, feel like how can you not like Chris Paul like. Does no one see what I see? Like, like I, I don't know. Like I, I said, I, I, I'm, I'm just indifferent better, about so. Chris Paul, to be honest. I've never. Really, I, I don't root yeah. against Chris Paul like Steve does, but I, I see what Steve's talking about. Like I know what he's talking about. Chris Paul can be an ass. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess uh, this podcast hates Chris Paul. Now, before we sign off, I do have to ask: Does anybody know how the Raptors have been doing? Burrito is asking in the, in the comments. Does anybody know? I know the uh, Raptors have been kind of irrelevant over the past couple two. years. They're two and two. Okay, so are they still running with? Uh... They had a good playoff run last year. Yeah, yeah, they, they that's true. Uh, is Siakam still their guy? Or are they still going with Van Fleet? Is that kind of their? Do they still have a similar makeup from last year? I think both, right? Yeah, they have Siakam, um, Van Vliet. Yeah, they're both still there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, well, they'll, they'll be wait. they'll be probably they'll definitely make the playoffs in the East. And wait, they'll probably Burrito... be like top six. I would yeah. say is... maybe like five to six to four. They they could fall somewhere in that range. Right. If they fell seven eight as a Toronto fan, I'd probably be a little sad because they do. I mean, the East is weaker, as we all know. They're it's getting better, but yeah. I would say they're they should make the playoffs, and they I could see them upsetting. Like I said, if they're in that four five six range, probably that's where your kind of hopes are as a Raptors fan right now. Is Burrito not a Knicks fan? I thought he was New York across the board. No, I, well, I don't know. He said that he likes the Raptors because when he was a kid, he thought that the Raptors logo was cool. So he's kind of like it is, it the Jaguars. Cool. No, that's, yeah. <laughs> And I, I will say the best Raptors jerseys were those purple on the front, black on the back when they had Vince Carter. Those oh, yeah. were the sickest Raptors jerseys. Yeah. No, exactly. Hey, man, I, I, if I had to choose a team, it would be the Raptors as well. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to root for the NBA season throughout the year. And obviously having Siakam and Van Fleet as your guys isn't that exciting. So <laughs> I, I don't really follow them, but. Fun note, because I know you don't follow pro basketball that much, but you do follow college basketball. Syracuse had their first preseason game. They won 86 to 68. Who did they play? So, I don't even know, but they won. <laughs> All right. Well, shout out to Syracuse men's basketball. That was a hell of an episode from you guys. I appreciate you coming on as you do every single week. Money, Mike Gilchrist, Steve, the Oracle, Den Blaker. At this point, we got to consider Sir Burrito Bandit a member of the show. I think he's the one that's always contributing comments. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And yeah. Uh, Drew, thank you for coming on today to face the music. Oh, okay. All appreciate right. it. All right. All right. Well, thank you for doing the intro for me this this week. I don't know if I really had it in me to do that, to bring the pep and the energy that this podcast needs. But uh, we're going to call it there, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to another damn sports podcast. And I hope you enjoy week eight of the NFL season.